Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to Episode 50. That's right. Episode 50 of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariner's podcast. The alternative underground back alley secret society speakeasy dive bar style podcast of and about the seattle mariners i'm coming to you live from ballard actually looking over the ballard bridge here in seattle and fisherman's terminal beautiful view here and uh just sitting here putting the finishing touches on our uh chaos balling out episode obviously everybody knows it's tuning in the mariners have swept the wild card round from the toronto blue jays concluding with the uh I think the most amazing comeback in our franchise history. A lot of people think that. I also think it was one of my favorite games. I know it's compared to the 95 game, and people are like, that's not as great. Well, it is. It's great right now. It's the best, most significant win we've got. We're we're obviously headed down to Houston to take on the Houston Astros. We'll be back tomorrow or maybe later tonight, actually, I should say, with a series preview for the Houston Astros series, the, the, the divisional round that's about to happen. We also, um, you know, talk about what was going on in the locker room after the game, uh, talk about the broadcast from television, the broadcast on the radio. Uh, today, I have Parmesan LeBron and Hannah and Edmonds for me. We all watch the game in different places and in different ways, so we just kind of like put all of the pieces together and just uh, revel in the fact of what happened. And again, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're just hate listening, look, listen, we're going to offer you our peace offering. We know you are our border um, friends, our border allies. We don't want a war with you guys. So, you know, today on this episode, I've decided to uh, play some old retro Blue Jays commercials for y'all. But yeah, again, on today's episode, we're going to kind of just reflect on what happened, talk a little bit about the celebrations that were happening up there. The champagne was popping again. The beers were flowing. And if you've been to Canada, you know, the beer's a little bit stronger up there. So hopefully the guys are doing all right. Of course, we'll talk about 
the comeback and just have a lot of fun. This is a, you know, a pleasure filled episode here for episode 50. And if you did not get episode 49 on time or you did not get it on Spotify, that's on our end. That's actually, uh, something that's happened here with our transition over to Odyssey. They're trying to fix that for us. But if you are getting this episode on Spotify, I believe everything is fixed for now. Also, you can always just go back to Buzzsprout. We'll still be there for, you know, the next three weeks or four weeks or so. So uh, we'll talk about that probably. I think we talk about that at the end of the episode. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of the way so you can enjoy episode 50 It's our 50th episode of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast that's going to start right now. All right, it's the Monday after the weekend that was, the weekend that was possibly the best Mariners weekend in, uh, I don't know, 25 years, uh, wouldn't you say there, Hanno? Yeah, it was great. It was so, it was a great weekend, I mean. Got, got both games out of the way early. Didn't have to play that third and final game. Yeah, it was great. It was. You know, when things go your way, like how they went for the Mariners, we didn't have to sit around and agonize all day about this 5 o'clock start. Uh, I mean, at least all these games were done by 5 o'clock. So by the time, uh, you know, dinner time rolled around, this was already over. Uh, I can't believe what we just saw the other day. Um, that's that's basically what we're going to talk about here on this episode. Um, we'll do a preview uh, if you're looking for the preview. That's going to be coming out tomorrow morning for the series. We're just going to sit here and relish in another clinch. Uh, you know, like a week ago we were doing our, uh, you know, the drought is over episode a little bit more than a week ago, and now here we are talking. We are going to the divisional round and playing uh, the Houston Astros. But, you know, to get there, we had to get through Toronto, which we just did. So if you have, you know, again, like if you were sequestered, you know, or, you know, were lost out at sea or in a coma, um, the Mariners have advanced past the Toronto Blue Jays in probably the most dramatic fashion they possibly could on the road. Yeah, absolutely. They're, uh, they played a fantastic game, too. I mean, they never said die. They knew that there's 27 outs in a game. They knew that the game was not even half over when they were down by as many as seven. And they kept just chipping away. Yeah, And that's what happens in the playoffs. You know, you, this is a game of momentum in the playoffs. And Scott even said that going into this series that it's going to be about having the momentum for you and against you and how you're going to deal with it when it's against you. So the Mariners proved that they can play in the playoffs. And that was really exciting to see. Yeah, like the NBA, what a game of runs. I mean, this was pretty much, uh, pretty, pretty much the same. It seemed like even going back into game one, it was like we never lost any momentum into that game. And to start this game, we didn't have any momentum. And every time we tried to get some momentum, we couldn't. And then, you know, <laughs> the old football saying this, you can't win the game in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, you can win in the fourth quarter. Same thing with baseball. You, those back, those back three frames are so important in baseball. And that's what the Mariners are good at. And we just showed that the Toronto Blue Jays were not anywhere as good mentally or, or you know, strategy, like strategize-wise, right? I mean... It, it was just good the way we were able to always um, shut down the momentum in the game and shut their crowd out of it. They were, I guess, known, listening to the uh, talking heads of the national media, that they were known as being this 
great intimidating place to play in the postseason. I personally didn't see it once. So it was really good the way the Mariners uh, knocked them off their block and um, came through with throughout the game to uh, calm them down. Now, before we get into the game, let's talk about us as fans. We got Parmesan LeBron here. We got Hannah, of course, and Edmonds. We none of us watched the game together. All three of us were, you know, I was hanging out with a, with a few people over at CJ's. Uh, Hannah, you were you were up in the in the in the uh, red light studio there at the home office, and Parmesan, you were out listening to Rick Riz and company do this game. So, what was that like driving around listening to Rick Riz? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much in that old school mindset that I, I love listening to the games on the radio. Uh, to me, there's nothing like it. I'm also one of those people that in important games, regardless of the sport, I hate being around other people. I hate being in the room with other people when there's a game on the line. Um, a Super Bowl party with your, with the Seahawks in it is like the worst thing I can ever imagine doing with my, with, with my time. So being by myself in the car allows me to relax, think about actually everything that's going on. I don't have to feed off of other people's reactions and their energy. And, uh, you know, people can get real down, uh, on, on the team real quick when we're getting handled like that early in a game. Well, especially when you have a national media, a national broadcast team doing it to where they're pretty much already trying to, they're basically trying to write you off for the day and set you up to come back and watch tomorrow. Wouldn't you say they do that, Hanno? Oh, for sure. There's narratives that are brought up throughout the game all the time, depending on what's going on. I mean, you you would have thought the Mariners were dead there in the fourth inning being down. Um, four to nothing, you know, but uh, we were able to get one back. Uh, Carlos Santana just missed a home run, but we were able to capitalize then on a Jared Kelnick um, sacrifice fly, but yeah, you're right. The uh, I'm with I'm with Parmesan. There's a t- I enjoy sometimes, depending on the sport and what the game is, just kind of taking in by myself. That's I'm with you on that one, Parmesan. Yeah, I... I- I do too. I mean, most of the time I am watching by myself. I live down in Los Angeles, so I don't really have too many Mariner fans. And, and I feel like I, I never see those Mariners fans since, you know, the pandemic happened. So it is nice for when I'm up here to be around people, just to be around some like-minded people that share all the same joys and know that pain and know what's going on. That's what's fun about being over at CJ's there down in the sports den because, uh, you know, he's got, he's got all the, like he had all the, uh, you know, Mariners things from, uh, all the artifacts from Mariners past over on that table. Like we said, the shrine, I got to put that on the Instagram, but it, it, it was, it was one of these games that, uh, you know, they kept showing the Seattle fans that were at T-Mobile Park. And every time, I mean, obviously they would turn the camera on and people go crazy. That's just what, what happens when a live camera is put in your face and the red light goes on. But, I mean, that, that crowd was definitely did not, they did not give up at all, did they? No. I mean, listen to some of the people going into this game. You know, Robbie Ray was going to be a failure, and what, what do you know? Yeah, he did not pitch his best, but you know what? They got him out of there at some point, and they kept fighting. So, a lot, I mean, you get different opinions, including ours, all the time, and you can just take what you want out of it. So, yeah, it's, 
it was a game of a lot of emotions. That's for sure. It was. I mean, it took uh, it took a new thing. The rally shoe. Did you guys see the rally shoe that was going on? I did. I, I was wondering if that was just that. That obviously was invented with a lot of alcohol, right? Like, I mean, I was like, who on earth? What? Like, I, we got to get to the bottom of this. But I mean, I, I just had the thoughts of like when your friend passes out drunk on the couch. And yeah. you start stacking things on top yeah. of them. That's what it seemed like. It probably started as was some <laughs> somebody at the watch party at the stadium passed out in their seat, and people just started stacking things on them, including a shoe. And as soon as that happened, things we are, started we started turning things th- around. Things started rolling. So the rally shoe. I remember the rally fries. You guys remember the rally fries? Yeah, I mean that was. Uh, yeah, I do remember that. Well, they they just continued that, but I think they're I think they're rally shoe. I'm going to be interested to see how many rally shoes there are that's going to pop up during you know the where I root segments, uh, the uh, or at T-Mobile Park, or maybe we'll even see some fans down in Houston putting their shoes on their head, or in the dugout. Are we actually going to see a player during the crunch time actually put their shoe on? Yeah, because we have seen players in the past turn their hats inside out, which to me has always been the rally hat, right? Uh, I sure hope not. I'm going to disown this scene if I see a player with their shoe on their head. Yeah, you know what? They already got the bomb. Let's be honest here. Yeah, they got the bomb in or the swell in. Why would would they? I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them to make some kind of bling shoe, (laughs) you know, coming out but uh you know the uh, the mariners fan reactions were great i mean I, I i mean i was looking online we all know what people are saying early on in that game and now what people are saying afterwards it's you know people have done a 180 but you know the toronto fans were i feel bad for those guys a little bit well maybe why not. Maybe yeah, not. Maybe not. You. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Anna. First to first, brought to you by Labatt's Blue. Everybody's got the spirit this year. I think this year the Jays are going to take the series. I'm going to feel absolutely ecstatic. I might even put my hand on my heart. I don't know. I play the Legion. I play the Legion. Kelly, Ernie, George, Lloyd. To the ball club. From the bottom of our hearts, we love you. Go team. You're our team. Call the Toronto Blue Jays. Make us proud of you. We are proud of you. Let's go all the way. Bye. I mean, yeah, it is kind of sweet that these guys come down and fill up our stadium every year. And then we go there and just shut down that crowd with a couple of thousand Mariners fans that were there. I heard that they all got behind the dugout as they do because Mariners are starting to travel very well with their fans. The fans are coming out no matter what uh, city they're in. If they've been transplants, they're coming. People, I know people that actually flew out there to go to this game. The plane tickets were expensive. And maybe staying there was expensive, but the tickets were not expensive. Did you guys see that? Yeah, 36 bucks, I think, was the cheap ones that I saw. $16. $16 doesn't even get you a drink at T-Mobile Park. Could you imagine a, a, a $16 ticket even existing here in Seattle. I mean, that's the difference between their fan base and our fan base right there. Yeah. And hockey and baseball. Yeah. It's it's obviously a hockey town. And I mean, again, the Mariners fans, even though the Toronto's fans were there, the Mariners fans, you could see them, you could hear them. They would show them there on the broadcast. Even saw the, the France fan there who had, uh, you know, the baguette, 
and the France, the the French flag and the baguette. But it kind of just looked like it was just a French Canadian that was kind of like hanging out in the crowd for a second. And I was like, oh no, that's uh, that's Francis guy. You saw a lot of old jerseys. You saw the dude in the suit. Um, there's a lot of people that traveled to that game out there. The tickets were cheap. The plane tickets were not, but the game tickets were cheap. And you were saying, Parmesan, that the on the broadcast, you really on the radio broadcast, you really couldn't tell that the Mariners fans were there. Yeah, when we were, uh, you know, when I was listening, you could, you know, when you started hearing "Let's Go Mariners" chants, I mean, it really gave me. Uh, a little bit of the chills of just thinking about all those games we've been to on the road and knowing that we're so outnumbered in most stadiums that there's, you know, just a few of us there. And, you know, when we're getting behind and we're having comebacks that you want the players to hear you, right? You're hoping that they hear your Mariners chants. They want to hear you cheering them on. And, you know, I, I heard a little bit of that through the broadcast and the post game of that, you know, the players really did feel that um, of, of, of those fans cheering them on. And, yeah, I th- and, it. It, and I think there's a little bit of that, too, is that we see that in our home stadium of when the Yankees come to town, of when the Red Sox come to town, when the Blue Jays come to town, even when the Astros come to town. You have these huge big city markets come in here and their fans take over huge portions of the stadium. And us as more of a small market team don't really do that. So, you know, pro- yeah, hats off, it. hats off to all the fans yeah, that, that made that trip and made begin- the effort. This team, this, this team's fan base is definitely traveling more. I see it. I see it in California. You see it in Anaheim. A lot easier down, you know, down the road in Anaheim or in Oakland. I swear sometimes there's more Mariners fans there. So to see it, you know, on the East Coast in another country, it was something else. And like you said, the on the radio broadcast, they acknowledged that they heard that and that gets them going. And, you know, you got guys like Julio that'll sit there and bang the top of the railing with their chance. Let's go Mariners. Clap, 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 clap. Let's go Mariners. Clap, 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 clap. I, we love it. And pick up the only. But um, yeah, I mean, behind the dugout, I mean, that the post game was that was my favorite part. Listening to the broadcast and listening to everybody during the post game, that was one of my favorite things. I don't know how much they were showing on the on the broadcast uh, on TV, but, you know, the radio broadcast just kept going and hearing everybody getting emotional and, you know, hearing them call the players coming back out of the locker room after they went back in Um when uh, when I hear Rick Riz talking about Ty France and Matt and uh, Boyd coming out of the dugout and spraying down the fans with beer that were uh, over there behind the first base dugout, uh, that was that was a good moment. Yeah, I've seen the videos of the setup, you know, that are the setup and speech, or I've seen the videos of the speech that Scott Service was getting and uh, giving, and the ending with him and. Genio just going back and forth. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And that was pretty cool. And I also heard this time uh, Julio. I heard this on the broadcast when I turned on the broadcast after the game. Julio and who was it? Ty France. They made sure to involve Shannon Dreyer in this. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, well, Shannon Dreyer had talked about it that she, uh, <laughs> I think it was maybe Riz or uh, Sims had said, uh, didn't you have a poncho on? And she's like, no, I thought I'd be okay without the poncho. Cause uh, you know, during the last celebration, I didn't get doused at all. And apparently as soon as she was in the locker room, Julio saw her and said, 
we did not get you last time and immediately dumped two beers on her head. <laughs> and then Ty France joined in the party. Yeah, nothing like winning, huh, guys? Hey, Dad, isn't that Ernie with the Blue Jays catcher? It can't be. Where's his Blue Jay hat? I'll prove it. Just talking about you. Didn't recognize you without your Blue Jays hat. <laughs> Blue Jays caps at McDonald's, just a dollar ninety-nine, and all proceeds go to support Ronald McDonald houses and local children's charities. It's a good time for the great taste. Next time, make sure I'm ready for your fastball. Yeah, nothing like it. So uh, I, I want to know though. You know, when we're getting back to the Toronto fans, has anybody found out or any information? Might be a no, but I'm just going to ask: Has anybody found out? What the reaction of the person that flipped off the Mariner Moose here? Remember that? Do you remember this summer when uh, the fan, the Toronto fan, flipped off the Mariner Moose on the broadcast? I remember it well. Yeah, it was during that four-game series here that the Mariners uh, sweep them and have that uh, big walk-off home run from. Uh, I think it was the game that Santana hit that big home run in the seventh inning off them. Yeah. If I remember correctly on Saturday night. If I remember correctly, I think it might have been the Friday night Apple game and when Suarez walked them off and then I thought Santana walked them off on Sunday. I don't know. We've walked off, beat up, <laughs> come back and spoiled these guys all year round. I mean, I, w- I would be, there's a lot of things that happened in this, this series. A lot of, a lot of, uh, balls thrown inside, a little bit of a beanball. It seemed like a little bit of a beanball war. You know, we had some people in their dugout yelling at people in our dugout. We'll get into that in a second. But I think that this rivalry is going to be around. And I think it is. it was kind of a regional thing to me because, hey, one, you know, the people from Vancouver come down and travel here, travel very well, follow their team. So the Mariners fans, you know, sometimes they don't show up. And now they are. So now we're getting that kind of like regional tension here. Uh, we also can go back to, you know, the fact that these two started in the the league and have had two different uh, paths until right now. You have Toronto that's been, you know, this team that we beat here was supposed to be good. They were built to win. They were built to win last year. They're built to win this year. The Mariners have caught up, closed that gap, and I think they're just a better team now. You have and you add in some of these beanball things, the big comeback how we just rip their hearts out. I think we got a nice rivalry. Definitely. If I was a Toronto fan, I would be like, fuck the Seattle Mariners. Wouldn't you, Hanno? Oh yeah. I mean, losing the playoff definitely creates animosity and a rivalry. Uh, and with the way the schedule is changing next year that you don't play your uh, division as much. So yeah, I could definitely see that it could be increased more. I know that there's also fans in Canada Canada that aren't big Toronto fans that are more Mariner fans out on the western portion of Canada, too. So, yeah, it's going to uh, be really exciting to see what happens next year and in the years ahead, especially if they keep making the playoffs as well as us and we match up in the playoffs together. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall at a baseball sports bar up in Vancouver, British Columbia. You know, I bet you that's, 
a very you know mixed basket you know that could be a lot of fun i'm sure there was a couple of fights and some things set up there because i think up there you can just like slug each other and it's okay if if they even do i know canadians are very nice people uh but except for the person that Except for the person who flipped off uh, our beloved Mariner Moose. Who uh, I think was last seen uh, somewhere at Niagara Falls in a barrel. When, Contem- <laughs> contemplating uh, their, their future. With Bowie? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Carter's a man who gets the job done. He's the one that can hit a ton. He's right on base in what he thinks. This one has to do what Joe drinks. Milk's a hit. Tastes so nice. Milk's a hit. Hey, want to win a Jeep YJS or one of hundreds of instant prizes? Step one, go pour a tall, cold glass of milk right now. Step two, take your glass of milk and call Joe at 1-800-668-MILK. Milk's a hit. Pour that pour. Milk's a hit. And dial that dial. Pour now. Phone lines close in an hour. With Bowie. You know, some of the best reactions I saw online were other teams' fans, right? You saw Red Sox fans. You saw teams from, you know, Oakland fans. You saw fans from every other baseball franchise getting online and talking about how great of a a storybook game that was in all aspects, but how much they're rooting for the Mariners now. Yeah, I I personally got a lot of texts too, just from people I know. A lot of my LA friends, they like were congratulating me, like I booked a role, or they saw me on a commercial, or <laughs> or something like that. It was like no, it was just like the way that they came back in that game. You know, we've seen these comebacks. Maybe nothing really like this. I mean, I saw the comeback in in San Diego with my own eyes. We had to endure two weeks ago the big you know, collapse that we had and this makes up for it and more and more. And you know, like that, that collapse we had, nobody knows about that except for us. I mean, we could point at that, what that game would be in one of the two games that we, you know, kicked around and should have been, uh, here having home field advantage in this round. It doesn't matter. It's all forgotten. And everybody watched this game. We watched that game and had to live through that one. We remember it as Mariners, but everybody saw this game waiting for the next games to come on. You know, Hanno, I brought up a point to Byron earlier that, you know, in one in one way, I think the playoffs are kind of shaping up in a in a great way for the the travel distance for every team, right? You basically have the shortest distances for all the, for all these match, matchups. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Um we sure do. And I mean, you guys were talking about as well about, uh, all the, all your fans and friends around the country, um, rooting for the Mariners. Well, there's going to be even a more, more group of people or baseball fans are going to be rooting for the Mariners because I guarantee you they're not going to be rooting for the Astros in this next series. No. And and I really like it. And I was just going to some of my personal texts. I got, you know, my I got a I got a friend who's an Angels fan. Literally, I have not responded to, back to Steve, but it said, "Team of Destiny, mind-boggling." That is that is what he said. Uh, my barber Nikki, you know, he says I'm. He's a Red Sox fan. He's from Boston. The fucking Chatter guy. Fucking, he says I'm all in on the manners. I'm sure all baseball fans are. Their team is out. Just exciting for, just exciting for the game as a whole. 
if you're in town, I want to catch a game with you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not homie, but I'm, I'm up here. He said, Hey, we even hosted at the shop. He goes, that ma- that atmosphere in Seattle's got to be electric. And this is coming from a, a Red Sox fan, you know, again, we beat one of their, their guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, I have a Dodgers fan, Manny. He said, let's go M's, you know, these are just, these are unsolicited texts that I received right at the end of that game. Carl, Carl, buddy, Carl Tart said, damn, I wish I was still up there. You guys are going to party tonight. I mean, this is, uh, I have another person, Braves fan, Leonard Smith, bro. Congratulations. What a crazy ass game. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, you know, right, it's that besides the fact that we're the underdog, that we're also playing the Astros. So you've got most other teams, fans, that don't like the Astros. But when your team's eliminated, you kind of want to root for the underdog in general. If you don't have a second favorite team, right, you're just going for whoever the the least likely person to, to or team to win. Yeah, you're right. I mean... The Astros are hated because of that whole cheating scandal and people have not forgotten it and are still very upset about it and hold a grudge to the Astros. So good for us since we're playing them. I feel good about um, our chances going into the series. We seem to be playing some pretty good ball now and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out here in the next week coming up. Right. Well, before we get, you know, we're talking about how we we feel, you know, the town's going insane. The ticket prices for this start for this game three is pretty crazy. Uh, it does suck though a little bit that our games are at twelve thirty, but also I'm kind of thinking, well, that we what's a half an hour earlier than what we were playing, and the time zones back an hour. Maybe this is a nice little sweet spot for the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all, yeah, you, you might be right. I, I hope that's the case. I mean, it's all just dictated on East Coast television schedules, you know. So, unfortunately for the fans of us and in Houston, you know, unless you're at the stadium, you might not get as big of audience able to watch it because of work, school, whatever. But uh, I'm sure people will be listening to the radio like Parmesan at least. You know, I'd almost think that, being on the road and playing at these random times, I would feel like it would give a, an advantage to the road team mentally. Maybe it gives an advantage to the home team physically, but that mental aspect for these home, the home team is not used to playing those times. The road teams just kind of, they're a little bit more discombobulated by already traveling. Yeah. So they're a little bit more dori- disoriented and, the actual start time of the game is is a little bit less relevant than than that home feeling of like, oh, this is really weird. You know, we never play these games on a Friday or a Saturday at this time. Well, yeah, and and what's strange? What's you're saying an advantage for the away team it, in this series? You kind of given you know the advantage to the Mariners with the days off, or you're giving them more assistance because the thing about playing around and then advancing for somebody who has a buy is that, yeah, your rotation is supposed to get tired. Players are supposed to get tired. You're playing more of a beat up team against a fully rested team. That's the idea, right? You win a hundred and some odd games and then you play a hot Mariners team that has showed up 
and showed out, had a historic comeback, and then you give them two days off. I mean, they that was what was so huge about that win was they were awarded an extra day off. So they're going to have two days off. They're going to play one game. Then they're going to have a day off. Then they'll play another game, and they're going to have a day off. And we're going to, uh, you know, get healthy and get rested very fast. Right, Hanno? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's, that will definitely help set up our pitching staff a little bit better. Um, I know we'll probably go into it tomorrow yeah. on the pregame show of how to, uh, how the pitching will go, but yeah, you're right. It, it will, uh, help a lot of things. Um, and it, the Mariners, have, are, haven't been stagnant like that and it might be beneficial. You're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get in that tomorrow again. We're playing the Astros. We've played them how many times this year? I don't know, five hundred. Uh, you know, Verlander, who's the number one starter, has pitched against us six times, seven times, six times this season. So this will be the seventh time. We'll get in that tomorrow. But before we get into the the you know the hated Astros, let's sit back, let's relish, let's talk some actual baseball about this game. What were some of your favorite moments or your takeaways? Or maybe let's just talk about how we even got there. I mean, obviously we had Robbie Ray going back to his team that he was a Cy Young Award winner on last year. Um, He comes to Seattle. He doesn't go back uh, earlier on in the season because of we don't know, but we can figure it out. He He goes back. He's definitely getting ribbed and yelled, chance of Robbie, you know, Robbie, Robbie. He doesn't, you know, have, they boot him. They boot him. And he, you know, after the first inning, his slider wasn't doing anything. He just didn't have his stuff. But like Hanno pointed up to, pointed out to me after that game, he goes, he still gave up less runs than the than his uh opposing starter. Yeah, I mean yeah, that was the case. I mean, he gave up the long ball. He actually um, gave up the exact same amount, four runs, four runs um, as Gosman. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was a good outing for Robbie, like you said. He was good early on, and then he wasn't. Um, what I liked in the game was how well that um, Carlos Santana really had an off game in game one and really turned it around and didn't let that bother him and had an incredible game in game two. Yeah, and you know, early to start off this podcast, I said, hey, this wasn't Scott Service's best managed game. I don't think it was, but one of the great things, he did make some great moves in this game, and one was to know that, hey, yeah, this is our big free agent pitcher, but hey, you got to get him out of there. You know, he, he I watched the in-game uh, interview that they had with him, and he's like, Robbie's throwing fine. Robbie's doing this. He took care of his guy, and then an inning later, even though after, even though he said he's pitching fine, he's good, he's going to turn around. You know, he he didn't, and he had no problem going out there and bringing in Matt Brash. Yeah, I mean, he started getting hit pretty hard, um, other than the home runs. Um, I mean, he gives up a lot of home runs. I think it's in the 30s he's given up this year, one of the most in the league altogether. So, yeah, it's a really hard give and take for the manager to decide if he's going to get it turned around or not, and he made the right decision and went to Brash and kind of shut down that momentum for an inning or so and gave the Mariners a chance to kind of sort of chip back into it. But then the bullpen, like you said, uh, didn't help us out down the stretch, but we kept plugging away, and it worked out, thank goodness. 
Yeah, and you know, again, again, it's a, a game. When I'm already talking, I have two games with Toronto, and I'm a boot to talk like that. Uh, but you know, the momentum. We're talking the momentum. You have Robbie Ray in there. The crowd's finally getting into the game. You got multiple multiple home runs. You add the fact that this is the Cy Young guy that didn't come back. He went and signed with somebody else, and that somebody else is the team in here. You know, trying to knock you out in the playoffs. You know, it made for that crazy atmosphere that they were talking about. And I think, too, taking him out of the game kind of brought that down a notch. Matt Brash, I would have liked to seen him pitch a second inning there. That's where I kind of like, uh, you know, but, you know, there's going to be moves by the manager you're going to like and some that you don't like. They're all calculated risks. He brings in Seawald. Uh Earlier on in the game, we've kind of talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, but I've talked about it before. It is kind of strange to see late inning pitchers come in so early in a game, even if it's a big leverage situation. What did you think about that uh, calculated move there, Hanno? Yeah, I mean, it caught me off guard a little bit that they said he was warming up that early, but, you know, the Mariners play percentages, play matchups, and play, like you said, those situations where it's a leverage situation and he was facing their big guns up on the top of the order there. So that's why they decided to go with it. And he was awful. He had no command. Um, he was the worst I've seen him this whole year. So it was unfortunate. And, you know, I, I understand why they did that. I understand also why they went to brass just for one inning. I mean, they, they just trying to, because it's hard to say, you don't know you're coming back, so you want to kind of give yourself a chance to win, but also know in the back of your mind, you can't piss everybody away for tomorrow if you got to know if you yeah, got a winner take all yeah. game, you know. Yeah, it was uncharacteristic, you know, walks, wild pitches, pass balls. It was just, it was a, it was just an, it was a weird inning, and I would bet we won't see one. Knock on wood, we probably won't see one like that again in the playoffs from our end. That was there was just a lot of weird shit going on, and I mean the team could have easily folded. They didn't right there. You're right. They they chipped away. I mean Seawald couldn't even get through that inning. He gave up four runs, two pass balls. I mean two uh, base on balls. Only got one strikeout. Uh, you know, and uh, they brought in Diego Castillo. Another guy who's been pretty good for us, but also, you know, sometimes gets you a little bit nervous. He came in there, hit, <laughs> hit Merriweather. Let's talk about that. Labatt's Blue Jays Baseball. Brought to you by Labatt's Blue. The clean, true taste of Canada. And by Esso, retailers and agents across Canada. This I mean, obviously it was a slider. It was a slider that got away from him, hit him in the head. The optics didn't seem very, very good. But also going back to the day before when they hit Julio twice, we hit Springer. They were thrown inside on us. And... Whether this was intentional or unintentional, I feel like it changed quite a bit in that game that said, hey, we're going to punch you right back in the mouth. So you thought it was the momentum kind of pick me up for the Mariners in that whole game. I can see that. You know, you know what? I, here's the word I'm going to use. A happy mistake, right? It was a mistake 
that riled up Toronto. You know, Merriweather was obviously pissed off. He got taken out of the game, but they let him go to first base. Then they took him out after the inning. He was yelling over at Castillo. I know it's the playoffs, so you're not probably going to get a lot of uh, reaction back. I would say if this was a regular season game, I think everybody would have come out of the dugout and at least talked about it. Yeah, so it was a, a definitely a momentum pickup for the Mariners by him doing that, you're saying? Yeah, I, def- I definitely think so. I mean, we've seen this team do this, whether it was with Houston, Anaheim, and now this, you know, and I think in that Kansas City series, too, at the end of the year, this kind of was going on, and it gets the Mariners riled up. So when I listen to you, you're, you're, of, the, you're the, of the opinion that the Mariners throw a guy's on purpose then. No, I'm saying I think it was a happy mistake, meaning we hit him. We're not sorry that we hit him. We didn't mean to hit him, but now you're they're upset at us. Okay, you want to be upset? Then let's be upset. We play better when you guys are upset. I mean, I think it's the team. It's the team energy too, right? Everybody picks up from and vibes from that where you've already got this kind of tense built-up moment where you've got these two pitchers going at each other that was the replacement for Ray for Toronto and then Ray coming out there and not doing well. And then you're bringing in, you know, these late inning guys early in the game that let your, it lets your guys know that like, we're not giving up right now. We're bringing in everything we can to try to hold this. And now let's get out there and score some runs. And that's kind of the spark. I think Myron's talking about. It's like that happy mistake where you get, it's like, all right, like these guys are getting a little chippy because they've got a big lead, and so now they're willing to kind of you know yeah. mouth off a little bit. Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like they they took exception to it, and the Mariners are like, well, then fuck you then, you know? Yeah, game's not over. I understand now. Yeah, makes we're, total sense. We're throwing sliders, and we're not sorry that we hit you. We didn't mean to hit you. We're not sorry that you hit Now you want to piss us off? Boom. You know, that's kind of my, my feeling of it. If I was in that dugout, that's how I would feel. It seemed like Merrifield was the agitator of it, right? He's the one yelling. I mean, Diego Castillo's just like, fuck you. And I, I, I loved in the broadcast, they, they, they like panned over to those two later, and it was the two Castillos, and they were... He was pointing at something, and he was telling them the story to Luis, or Diego was telling Luis, and they were laughing. And I know that they were talking about them being upset if they had to have been. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a Spanish lip reader, but I, I would assume they were doing that. But, uh, um, you know, Festa came into the game. He did pretty good. He gave up one run, but, you know, Murphy came in and took care of that. You know, he gave up one, you know, one run, one hit, you know, wasn't that... That bad. I mean, at the time when you when you're like, we can't give up any more runs. It kind of hurt, but he didn't pitch bad. Murphy came in and did his thing, and you know Munoz coming in with uh, no rest from the day before. He did not have his stuff, and even though he did not have his stuff, it was good enough. His bad stuff, or his not as I shouldn't say bad stuff. His not sharp stuff is better than their team's sharpest guy. No, Hannah, I don't know if you really noticed that of him, of him walking like kind of slowly around the mound and returning to the mound a little bit slower and, you know, um, just uh, kind of taking his time up there a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I did. It looked like he was really uh, just trying to pace himself. You know, he knew it was a very critical time in the game. It looked like he was getting some deep breaths in and just trying to collect himself in the moment to make that good pitch. And like Myron said, he wasn't sharp. A lot of his pitches were backing up on him and stuff, but he was able to 
be good enough to get us through that inning and give our bats a chance then to uh, – or that was the hold we needed a bad inning for yeah. them uh, to uh, get a chance then in the next inning to take the lead. And again, he's pitching to the best part of that lineup. That whole lineup's good, one through nine. And that's what's amazing is that the Mariners came and took care of business. We'll talk about the offense here in a minute. But, you know, Munoz went through the heart of that order. You know, he had the one walk. He only got one strikeout. But he had enough stuff. And then, you know, after we got the lead, we turned it over to Kirby. You know, at the beginning of this game, if you said that Robbie Ray was going to, you know, kind of implode the way he was, and you were going to be like, Paul Seawald is going to be the ne- uh, a pitcher in th- the inning after Ray gets pulled out and Kirby's going to be closing the game down. I've been, been like, what? But that's the way it happened, and I liked it. Kirby looked good out there. I mean, this is his playoff debut as a rookie, and you go out there after this huge lead that you guys chipped away, or huge deficit chipped away. I mean, he had so much pressure. He had so much pressure because as good as that win felt to come back, losing that game would have felt I don't I don't know how bad. That would that would have hurt. And Kirby put the team on his shoulders. He he even gave up one uncharacteristic walk. It didn't phase him. You know, he, he got one strikeout. He got the pop out. Uh real f- sufficient stuff. I actually really like the way he looked there at the end of the game. I wonder if we'll see him there again at that that spot. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I remember them showing on the broadcast, Swanson warming up, and they were just showing him. So when they said Kirby was coming in, I kind of forgot about that and was like, oh, let me think about this. And I really liked it at the beginning, too. Yeah, he's, he dominates the strike zone. He doesn't walk guys. And I actually felt better with him going in in that situation, probably more than Swanson, even though that he's a great reliever and has been for us. But you know, that's what playoff baseball is all about, making adjustments, doing things a little different here and there. I mean, it's that's that's what winning teams do. So we're going to probably see a lot more of that in uncharacteristic situations with with pitching and players throughout this next series as well. Yeah, it's, it's all hands on deck. Everybody could possibly play. I mean, we emptied the bullpen on that day. And guess what? We're going to have two days of rest before they head into Houston. But, but – as much as we've sat here and talked about, hey, the the bullpen really bailed us out of that game after it kind of made it worse, but the the rest of the guys picked up Seawald. Um, and then the rest of the team picked up Ray, especially there in Toronto. He's I couldn't imagine how thankful and grateful he probably felt about that. It's gotta it's gotta be, you know, <laughs> it's gotta be way up there on the meter. But Really, if you want to give some credit to this team, we have to give credit to the offense and the position players that just stuck in there and took every at-bat serious. It could have been very easy to just start pulling guys out too and, you know, you know, throwing, you know, like a Tremel in there, throwing a Toro in there, getting like a Frazier up off of his feet, getting a... Uh, giving a Suarez a little bit of rest, maybe Julio because he's got a back thing. They didn't do that. They didn't do that, and, you know, from all the reports that we've heard, you know, in interviews like that, that dugout was stern, and they, you know, they made a comeback for for the ages. I mean, this was, yeah, it was a different feeling than a week ago when Cal Raleigh, you know, clinched it. That was different, 
But this comeback win by this offense, I mean, I feel like this was the greatest day of hitting to me I've seen from the Mariners all season long. Situational hitting. Sorry, I'd say the best situational hitting because um, here's something right at you. All year long, we were the worst team, right, in baseball with the bases loaded. Well, both times there with the bases loaded, we took care of business and big time. We cleared the bases. Yeah, that's massive. Hopefully the averages are averaging out. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, but that's the difference between playoff baseball and, and regular season. These guys know that there's 27 outs. I don't, I personally don't feel that every single day that they're playing, they're giving it all 100% every pitch like they do no, in playoffs. No. It's so different. It's a different human emotion. I mean. Yes. I mean, they're locked in for every single pitch, for every single out. It's way different. So, you know, it's good to see. We talked about it earlier, Myron, in the previous broadcast going into this series. How are the Mariners going to adapt to this kind of pressure in playoff baseball? Well, they sure succeeded this first round. Yeah, they sure did. They were dancing. The entire team was dancing on their field, in their country, after that big comeback, and just the panning of the, the uh, over to the and cutting over to the Toronto dugout. Just, just it fucking said it all. They watched that. That's why I think there's going to be a rivalry. They were already mad that pitcher Brat, uh, what was it, Bass, was already pissed off about when uh, Seawald. Um, did the what the sweeping motion when they swept uh, Toronto here? Yeah, I read that where he was said there was going to be hell to pay up in the six. I don't know <laughs> is that some sort of uh, slang for Toronto that it I'm is. unaware of? How, do you know any about that, uh, Parmesan? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, I've heard I've heard Drake make that, that yeah, reference. Drake I'm, drops. That I'm assuming that that's a area code reference similar to our 206. They're the six, okay. the two hundred six. But uh, yeah, and they're the six. He, yeah, so Brass Bass was talking all this shit, and he got his ass lit up. And what I heard today was that he deactivated his Twitter. Well, I, I mean, oh yeah, people are complaining about Kelnick switching his <laughs> yeah. his stuff off of his Twitter account. So what's the difference, you know? Well, I think there's a big difference. This, this guy picked a fight on Twitter and he couldn't back his shit up. So he ran away. JK. I'm just saying Mariner fans are making a big deal out of, out of JK and making a big deal out of this. That's on. Yeah. JK's was a little like an emotional reaction by him. We were like, yeah, that, that was weird. That was dumb. And then this one's like, you talk all that shit. Now you're going to run. Well, guess what? Brat, Bass got his. Hey, Roberto, which is the best pitch you've ever faced? The one with McCain Punch. Catch the taste of McCain Frozen Punch. In orange. Berry. And fruit punch. McCain Punch is made with real fruit juices to deliver real fruit taste. Which makes McCain the punch of champions. Like Roberto Alomar. Catch the taste. Catch the real fruit taste of McCain Punch. You know, and there was a lot of heroes in this series. Obviously, one of the guys that we've talked about that were, were just like, please get it going, please get it going, is, is Adam Frazier coming up big in this game. I know he got moved up to the uh, f- uh, five slot, right, in the lineup or the six slot uh, because he had success against this pitcher. It paid off. And, like, look, Adam Frazier came up big. I've been talking about that all year long. 
I mean, how huge is this? Again, he's one of these guys, the first guy, I think, offensive player that we traded for. You know, we obviously brought in Winker. We've talked about that enough. He's not on the playoff rosters right now, so we're just not going to talk about that. But Adam Frazier, this is the guy that I was saying on the other episode. Some of these players who are going to benefit from a fresh beginning in a new season, Adam Frazier is definitely that guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when he had his clutch hit in this game, uh, I was coming over the Magnolia Bridge, coming down from Magnolia. Can see the stadium off in the distance, and he's up at bat, and I'm like, "All right, come on, slapped." And then you know, you're just thinking about like, "All right, this is this player that batted over 300 last year, and he's having a down year." But you know what he's capable of. He's come up in some pretty key moments through the season for us, though. You know, in in some clutch fashion. He was. He was raking the ball last year. He was in 2021 was an All Star. When he went over to San Diego, his batting average dipped down into like the 260s from you know his portion of the season over there it seemed like it kind of carried into this season but he's also one of these guys i swear hits the ball right at somebody doesn't hit it super super hard but he hits it enough and he gets enough contact and it was good to see these balls drop in i know he probably expects way more out of out of himself but like we were saying on the last episode if one of these guys that underperform this year at least by the numbers can you know take mentally and go and take a little mental break and be like, Hey, this is a fresh start. Everybody's hitting the same boom. Look at him now. He's hitting 444. you know? And I think that just those guys can really let that wash away too, that, okay, I had a down year, batted 238, but we got to the postseason, right? So there's a little bit of that relief too, where it's like, that was good enough as a team effort. The guys that didn't do great, the guys that did a little better, everyone in their contributions, it was just enough to get us to that point that we needed to get to give us this opportunity to go ahead and sweep that nice series from the Blue Jays. Yeah, and the, here's the crazy thing. Adam Frazier, not comparing him to Edgar Martinez, but he will always be linked to Edgar. There was the double. Uh, Hanson got on me. Or, there was the double, and now... There was this double, right? The Canadian double. I don't know. The Blue Jays double. And the craziest, eeriest thing of all that, it, both of those games happened on October 8th. You know, the one thing also that reminded me that too of uh, of having Kirby come in, it definitely gave me that reminder of Randy Johnson coming in. This was definitely like a and, reboot. And he, de- I mean, he pitched three innings in that game when Randy came in. And, you know, but, but Kirby coming in, and it was it absolutely was. I mean, there was every storybook little thing that we could have talked about in this. It was a reboot. Yeah. I mean, they could make a movie about game it's a two. reboot. Um, <laughs> we also had, uh, of course, uh, Carlos Santana. He's he's literally the Blue Jay killer, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he had a great series. I mean, especially, I mean, not a series, a great game, too. He didn't look that great in game one, but. You're right. He has been really good against the Blue Jays this year. He has been he's been amazing, and then of course Cal. And going back to the episode before, where we were like, "Who's going to be our big poppies?" We were pretty much pretty much spot on, right, with our guys. Cal went in there and just right off the bat in the first inning, boom. He also gets this double late in the game here. Suarez had a nice series. Suarez, yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a pretty good series. And what was what was great about this is. You had them hit those guys. You had Crawford. 
And JP, yeah, I mean, and JP, and JP, I mean, come on. That ball that he hit up in the air felt like a movie. You saw Springer coming in on it. You saw Bouchette going in on it. You seen the left fielder coming in on it. And that ball felt like it hung up there, like it was the basketball in Teen Wolf that was about to drop. And then all of a sudden, boom, we had a 7-10 split. The ball's going that way. I mean, even Grandma Norma chimed in and she said, you don't, let me see what she said. She said, don't tell me that wasn't a little divine intervention that those Jays bang their heads trying to get that ball, not calling each other off. Ooh, and she added an emoji with the tongue hanging out. Thirst for Thirst, brought to you by Labatt's Blue. Uh, Toronto is a, a Bush League team. They got a couple of hitters, uh, maybe one pitcher, two pitches, but they, they, they don't have the team to go all the way. I don't think Toronto's going to do it. It's wishful thinking on their part. Toronto are a bunch of bums, personally, I think. I'm tired of this business with the Blue Jays fans talking about how strong they are, you know? I can't see the Blue Jays taking this penance. No how, no way. That Blue salutes the Blue Jays for the way they play. You didn't have to get a lot from Julio. You weren't, like... We weren't leaning on him, and I know there was a lot of talk, and I agree, when he was gone, there was something missing from the team. And we leaned on Julio a lot, so it was great to see the rest of the team do their thing. You know, the first day, it was the beginning of the lineup. The second day, the back end of the lineup did really well, and, uh, you know, it was a complete win. This team is getting stronger and better right in front of us. It's been a... You know, doing this episode right now, we're doing a little more exhausted than we would like to do. It's kind of late on a a Sunday night, and we've been through a lot of Mariner emotions in the last week or so. We get a day off, and then we're back right back in that pressure cooker. Are you looking forward to this uh, uh, ALDS series or what? Yeah, very much so. It's gonna they're gonna have to play even better. Um, I didn't get a chance to hear Parmesan's thoughts on the uh, calls by the guys on the radio. How was that? Uh, I mean, it it was. I mean, it was great. There was there were so many moments where I think listening on the radio and not seeing what's going on makes it really tense. Um, you know, when Carlos Santana uh, appeared to injure himself uh, on the on his first swing of it at bat, but then stayed in the oh, game. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know that that's one of those moments where, like, when you're listening on the radio, you have you have no reference of like what did I just see, right? As like uh, as the casual baseball fan, maybe can't really identify that, but you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. Like, yeah, I see how he swung it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it just makes it it just makes it. I mean, I think Rick, Rick Riz does a great job. Um, me personally, I love listening to him. Um, I think that's Mariners baseball for me now. Yeah. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll be back tomorrow to break down a little bit more about the series as some more, some more of the information will come out to us. Uh, and, you know, we can just focus on the Astros. This is, the, you know, the big bad wolf. Um, obviously, like we were saying, at least we got at least the nation behind us, most of the baseball behind us in, in this. And we'll take it because these guys are tough. We'll be back here to talk about it tomorrow. But... Wow, what a job by the Mariners. We're happy to be doing this podcast. Hopefully you're getting this on the Odyssey <laughs> Network. We kind of did have a problem with that. I'll, I'll, I talked about it a little bit in the intro, I think. Well, when I say I think, because I do the intros after this. But yeah, if you weren't getting this on Spotify, we're hoping that is going to be um, fixed 
uh, as we were moving over to Odyssey, we chose to do this so we would be under this big umbrella. It was a, a promotion for the show, definitely. Um, you know, and in hindsight, I think we should have waited possibly until after the playoffs. But hopefully all these things are going to get ironed out and you're getting these episodes on time. So if you're looking for those uh, game one reactions that didn't come out until a little bit before game two, that's why. Uh, we apologize for that and uh, we'll be making sure that this stuff gets out and um, you know we'll be back here again tomorrow and then instant reactions after game one then we'll, then we'll take a day off and then we'll be back for uh, instant reactions game two and of course when they're back here at home for the first time in 21 years playing right down the street right next to uh, tacos and tequila and hat to the back and all of our favorite bars hooverville all right down there at t-mobile park again this is episode 50 and usually you'd be like, this is a big deal. This is our 50th episode, but we're not focused on that. We're focused on the Mariners winning. We're hoping we, we do 70 of these fucking things by the by the end of the season. Right, Hanno? Yes, sir. I, yeah. And you got something else for us, Parmesan, before we get on out of here? I mean, honestly, I was just going to say congratulations, really, to both you and Hanno uh, for 50 episodes. You know, and thank you. And thank you guys for providing. I, I honestly really do appreciate the show. Um, for me, I need a lot of content to listen to while I'm working. And uh, I'm I'm honestly one of those people that's waiting for the episode to, to come out so I can have something to listen to. So... And again, you're a Spotify listener. We need to apologize to you because the last episode still is not on Spotify. We're trying to iron that out with the people at Odyssey because when we switched over some things, you know, like nerd RSS feed, weird techie kind of stuff, techie kind of stuff happened. That was weird. Uh, there we go. <laughs> but here, but here's the but here's the deal. I am an Odyssey listener, so I do have the app. I have been listening on there as well. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, been been checking that out. Um, so you know, I've got I've got multiple avenues to to check this out. Nice. Well, we'll be back again. I said this, but I'm, tomorrow we'll be back. And if you can't find us on one of your regular places, you might just have to do a little bit of hard search. Go to your Go to your backup. Go to your go to your bottom bitch app. We're probably there. Or you, we're still going to be up on Spotify. Good old spot. Not Spotify. We're going to be up on good old Buzzsprout still for the next few weeks. So if all us fills, just go to Buzzsprout. Good old faithful Buzzsprout where we started. We're still there for at least three or four more weeks. But yeah, check us out on the Audible app or Audible. Check us out on the Odyssey app. I better get the name right. Anyways, this is episode 50 of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. We've got Parmesan LeBron. Hanno, you know what fucking time it is. Charge. All right, get some sleep, Hanno. Uh, Hanno, the uh, bonus bonus information for before we let you go. Uh, I'm glad Meyer didn't bring it up, and we definitely won't bring this up ever again. You guys didn't ask me what I was doing for game one. And uh, I'm glad because I would have told you I was getting a Manny Petty during the uh, first uh, four, <laughs> uh, during the first four innings of the game. The joke's on you. I haven't stopped recording. Hey. <laughs>